Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. It's 2022 and it feels like 2020 all over again. You'll be joined by Paul, John and Pete. We'll go over a bit of EPL, a bit of NFL and all things sport. This is the Love Sport Podcast. 2022 never has a year started like it feels like 2020. I feel like we've gone back two years. We won't get into the darkness of COVID at the moment, but uh, you boys coping okay? Well, happy new year. It's, uh, it's great. <laughs> like, you know, it's great that we're able to still jump on the calls and um, do what we do and chat some sport. But yeah, man, I, I totally get the vibe. I totally get the feel. Um, you know, it's that Groundhog Day vibe of doing the same thing day after day and not feeling like a great deal is changing at the moment. And what about you, John? You're okay, mate? Yeah, man. Well, happy new year to everyone, especially you two guys. Um, I, I'm staying close to home on school holidays, but that's always hard because, you know, my my daughter works in shopping centres and yeah. um, my son's been involved in two separate lockdowns now and um, my wife works in the government office. Like So it's, it is what it is. Um, it's interesting to see how it all plays out and hopefully – uh, when all of us do actually eventually catch this disease, the uh, what we've been told will be effective does just that. Yeah, it's been interesting to hear the terms thrown around that they disregarded last year or got rid of for a bit. Um, it's just, you know, come out in the last day or two, herd immunity again. I'm not sure if you're yeah. hearing those words, but um, I just feel like, no, well, they're not telling us everything, so we'll leave it at that. I think uh, the language got- changed a lot. The, the language seems to – and we work in podcasts and we do all kinds of stuff, but you listen to the language that's being used and how much it's changed in about four weeks. Yep. Um, it's been really interesting to watch and, quite frankly, I'm with you. I think they are making up as they go along and, and I think they've got no idea what's going to happen uh, when the two-week tail from everyone getting together at Christmas comes out when they find out how many people are actually in hospital. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Just think. Well, thank you, first responders, the nurses and doctors, you know, absolutely under the pump. So thank you to everyone in the front line, the people at the shops serving us and everything who are exposed. Um, a pretty hard time for everyone there. And as you said, people you know working uh, right in the face of people, so to speak. Cricket's probably going to go into a hub. The um, the 2020, the T20 about the uh, Big Bash at the moment. It, it's nice to have on in the background, but it seems to have lost a lot of momentum. Um, and it, it was disappointing that- uh, from an England point of view that England was able to get on the field for the third test rather than having it wiped out for COVID. I was very upset about that. <laughs> well, the positive for me, well, the positive for me, someone that I absolutely adore uh, as a human being could get, you never know, Usman Khawaja, um, whether you love him or or not for cricket as a human being, guy, really good. This could probably be, I could make a century and get dropped. I loved that. He just, he sits in the pantheon of current cricket. If you're going to make a ton, you're going to make a ton, you might as well make it after getting dropped off Jack Leach's bowling. I think that's That's three. I feel sorry for that. He's just about to go out. He's just about to go out. And he's gone. Oh, no, I've put the mozzle in for 81. Oh, it's a carry. Thank God. Okay, guys, that's what that's happens scary. when you do a podcast and have cricket on in the room with left-handers. So, uh, who's also a nice human being. So, 
we just said about cricket being in a hub. Pete, this is one for you, mate. The A-League at the moment, is there a point of even having a season? Now, I know I might be going over the top here, but, you know, home game for Brisbane Raw postponed again. People are paying quite games. I just want to know your thoughts on this stuff. Yeah, Louis, it's in it's incredible. Um, you know, the investment that's been put into the game this season and unfortunately we're we're still getting interrupted and disrupted by um by COVID. Um it's oh it's mind blowing what's going on at the moment. That's the fact that um so many games are being postponed. We've got, what, two games on this coming weekend. We've got Wellington and Newcastle, which is getting played up at, uh, at Cogra. You've got Melbourne Victory against Adelaide. That's being played at uh, Amy Park. And, you, and you're like, two games out of the potential six. Um, and a lot of teams are currently in their two-week quarantine. Um, won't name names of clubs in particular, but there's a number of clubs who have already been basically told, have your two weeks where you're just going to stay home and not really do very much. It's happening the exact same in the A-League women's, um, where from what I understand, out of the ninth, uh, out of the competition that's there, there's three teams who touch wood everywhere humanly possible, haven't so far been affected by COVID in terms of their team being affected by COVID, but speaking with a lot of players yesterday at a game, uh, a number of them were frustrated with the fact that they had kind of two weeks of no games. Then they've got three games in the space of nine days. Then they've got probably another two weeks off because they're playing against teams who are missing a lot of players. At least in an A-League men's competition, you've got kind of some youth league academy players that you can call upon. A-League women's, you don't. So yeah. you need to have a break. You probably just need to have seven days off. And as... Sorry, guys. I don't know what's happening. I think there's too many too many kids on the internet at the moment. Um, so we we're just saying that you know it's strange that we're getting men's games, some of them played, and some of the women's games. It's just yeah, it's we don't know what's happening. Um, good news though, on another front outside of football for one second, is that Djokovic got the wrong visa to come into Victoria or into Australia. Yeah, he, he did. Uh, from what I understand, he was um, kept by border security for up to six hours last night as they were trying to process uh, and understand what his visa actually was and what the issues really were. Um, there's been a whole lot of attacks on social media and I can totally understand the frustration. Um I, I'm, I, I can almost guarantee the fact that you two guys, just like um, everyone else, we've got friends and family overseas who are desperate to be able to come back home mm. and, you know, can't or can't afford it or uh, have no opportunity to really do it. And yet you've got a tennis player who's happy to just pay the bill and then realise he's got the wrong visa and can't actually come here anyway. Your thoughts there, John? I found it just really embarrassing watching, you know, look, the, for me, the, the, the starting point is the fact that the dude got given clearance to come to Australia. Yep. So I want to take a step back from here and say, what is the policy? Because I've never really quite understood who can come and go. All I know is that if I wanted to go to the UK and come back and see family who've passed on and that, I can't do it. But yep. there seems to be a lot of other avenues whereby people can visit other places and, move around and come back, and then you've got this, and they they gave him the visa. So 
who's issuing the visa, if they've got it. See, to me, I'm embarrassed as an Australian that the dude's arrived. It's a huge firestorm because if they gave him clearance to come, then it seems to me like they just made a decision while he was in the air dealing with a political backlash, right? Yeah. How about just having the thing organised enough that we know beforehand when people come and go? Because you've got you know, you've got Hollywood people flying in and out. You've got all that. Um, and, yeah, I totally get what Pete's saying, but as an Australian, as a former public servant, someone who believes that, you know, we're living in one of the greatest countries in the world, I think the message it sends out on both counts is horrendous. Yeah, and, and, and you're probably right there because a lot of people have attacked, um, obviously, Djokovic, but uh, the people who have been thinking a bit more through it have attacked, obviously, uh, the organisers of the Australian Open and the people giving the visas. Now, if he's given clearance, it's not a good look for the Australian Open that he's been given a clearance, but, yeah, I think there's multiple parties that are wrong here. Yeah, everyone knows where Novak Djokovic stands. It's not like it's a secret. No. He's been doing it for ages. And everyone knows that he's had it. Yep. So is that – but they gave him the visa. That's the thing. It's like they would have been much better off saying, sorry, Novak, you can't come this year. We'll see you next year. And the Australian Open as well may be coming out and saying, look, no, you must be vaccinated to play in this tournament and making a stand that way as well. So, you know, obviously the people who've given the visa for whatever reason, there are, there's been a mix-up on what visa he was given to come in and, you know, what grounds it was given. So that's I find something... incredibly hard to believe. Don't you? Uh, I do. <laughs> I do very much. I think that changed while he was in the air. Well, that, that wouldn't be the first thing that happened. You know, people in this country have, have gone into different states, uh, been in the air, for example, going to WA, and the, the rules have changed that night, and they've got into WA overnight. And um, so is, had he, to is, he, is he still here? Did he get turned around and sent back, or was he playing, or what? Do you know, Pete? Uh, from what I understand, he's going back uh, later on today um, and, and basically be sent home, yet yeah, later on today, from what I understand. Well, you might never see again the number one Australian women's tennis champion ever back in. Correct. Spot on. Guys, um, well, look, rules are rules, right? But maybe if he was told he can come here, um, you know, we can't really blame him if he's given the clearance. So, yeah, I think... He, I think he wouldn't have been on the plane unless he was told it was all clear. Correct. No, exactly right. He so He didn't come on a chartered flight. He came in Emirates, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't come on a chartered flight. You're right. Well, with his manager and a couple of other guys, obviously they were given the all clear. They changed it once he hit the ground. It's a, it's done for TV. So we've got the um, – is the AFLW actually starting this week or is that on hold as well? Because my understanding is it's starting tomorrow I just night. saw a thing come up on Channel 7 just before the ticker saying – advertising this week's game, saying it was on. So at this stage, it's on. Well, we've got St Kilda taking on Richmond um, tomorrow night. Saturday, we've got North Melbourne taking on the Cats. The Dogs taking on Melbourne. Carlton taking on Collingwood on Sunday, which would be an absolute ripper. They'll get a really big crowd for that. Gold Coast taking on the Giants at this stage, at this stage, um, on the Gold Coast, and West Coast taking on Brisbane. Um, how many of those games will go ahead? It'll probably be the same as, as other places, but um, you've now got a reasonable size comp there. You've got 12 teams in the competition. 
Actually, you should have more than that in there because it doesn't have... Um, I've missed a couple of games here, I'm sure. But they're actually starting to get a decent, uh, decent size um, of teams in there. So it's pretty exciting. And it looks like a whole heap of games are going to get rescheduled because I've missed out on Adelaide and Brisbane as well. We're playing. I'm pretty Sunday. certain the Suns can't. Fit. They, didn't they say they couldn't field a side this weekend? Yeah, yeah I'm pretty they sure they can't. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone to the latest updates. But um, if the season does kick ahead, there's 12 teams in there now. That That's that's 14. one absolute... There's 14, sorry. That's absolutely... How positive is that for the competition? Are, are players missing because of positive tests or is close contacts? I don't know. I really don't. I, I, I thought it was a mix of both. Because um, haven't they just changed that for people working in cafes and pubs? Yeah, they have. The rules have been changed here. Has that been changed? <laughs> has that been changed in in New South Wales? Because isn't it's not a nationwide thing, is it? No, it is. And there was a federal. It was Scott Morrison who the national cabinet said that they look. They had to come to one agreement because we basically were in danger of the country grinding to a complete halt without a lockdown. Yeah, and probably an even worse before with all the supply chains screeching to a halt. So they had to change the ruling, or else everyone was just going to be alone for ten days. Well, um, what's going to happen with your Brisbane Lions? Are they going to win? Are they going to win again? Ever? I uh, hope so. No, I meant the women's mate, the uh, the reigning champs. <laughs> uh, well, you remember famously last year, I jumped off the Lions women because um, I had three girls playing in the Suns team. Yeah, I, I managed to get get myself off of a team. That won the premiership for a team that didn't win, didn't win a game, but that's sort of par for the course for me. Um, so it'd be my Gold Coast Suns with the women, I believe. Do you know who's got the biggest? Um, do you know who's got the biggest um, AFL women's membership at the moment in terms of paid-up members? You're not going to say the Suns, surely? Nope. It'll be a team you may not pick at all. Fremantle. It was actually Sydney Swans who are getting ready for a team, don't have a team yet. And I believe they've sold the most membership tickets for the AFLW uh, in the competition. That was a few weeks ago. So whether that's picked up or not, but New South Wales will be represented by GWS. Brisbane's obviously got, or Queensland's got the Lions and the Suns, as you said. South Australia has the Crows. Uh, Vic and uh, Vic has Carlton, Collingwood, Geelong, Melbourne, North. The Tassie, the Tassie Kangaroos. Love it. Um, Western Bulldogs, Richmond, and then WA's got um, the Dockers and Eagles. So it's really becoming a quite a big competition there. Um, so could because I haven't really looked. Is it eight or twelve? Uh, ten. Uh, ten rounds and three weeks of finals. Ten. All right. Still, still not what we want. Absolutely not what we want. And you know, realistically. You'd love it to be at least 13 where everyone gets to play each other once, right? At least. But it's still in its embryonic stages. It's still growing and it's still developing. But the best thing is the fact that we do have, you know, themed rounds. We do have things like Pride Round happening um, round three. You've got things like Indigenous Round kicking off in round eight. You've got really awesome things going on, such as the fact that, Tickets are $10 for adults, whilst juniors, anyone under the 18 gets in um, gets in for free. The fact yeah. that all games are available live streamed on AFL's website as well as on um, Telstra TV. Um, there's also going to be games on Seven, Fox Footy, KO, 
Um, game's going to be broadcast on ABC Grandstand. Like, this is super accessible. And, you know, me personally as a football fan, fan, I look at this and I go, why can't my sport be as accessible as this? Why can't my sport be as inclusive as this? And instead, you know, I'm left there being a little bit jealous about what goes on in the AFLW, a a competition that just seems to be growing and taking leaps and bounds forward. Um, It's incredible. Well, my youngest girl can't decide if she wants to be a um, basketball star or an AFLW star. So I think that's... She should be able to do both. Yeah, she can do both at the moment. But um, I just think it's amazing that our girls have the ability to even think that way. So pretty exciting times. Well, I think that the, the definitely the um, the experience for a young for, for for women involved in elite team sports growing team sports emerging. Let's call them that like all of our what we would have called guy sports in the past. Let's call them emerging women's team sports, not elite Olympics or whatever, but there's very much the capacity as you know we've got for girls to double up across multiple codes and to make a substantial living out of that whilst also still working and being at uni and stuff like that. So, yeah, you can play for Australia and play in the AFLW if you want. Um, guys, what you, we're jumping all over the place today, but that seems to be my wants at the moment. I feel a bit ripped off that Liverpool got to... Um, sorry, mate, I know you're a Liverpool man, Pete, but I feel a bit ripped off that Liverpool were able to have their game suspended for the EFL Cup or, or postponed when in similar circumstances last year, my Villa team had to put in their academy squad against your Liverpool boys. Yeah. Just seems a bit seems a bit hypocritical. Yeah, look, um, I agree because the thing is, as uh, as is well noted, you know, when you've got pretty much a senior squad of about twenty three players plus an under twenty threes team plus an accessible under eighteens team, you've really got about. 45 to 50 players accessible and ready to be able to be used at pretty much all times. Um, but then you also have a bit of a COVID outbreak happening across the, uh, the technical staff as well. Currently we've yeah. got Jurgen Klopp isolating, Pat Linders is isolating, a number of support staff are isolating. Um, you know, we can use these as, as many of excuses as you like, but the, the protocol unfortunately says you need five or more players um, to basically be tested positive, and that's it. That that's the go. Yeah, it just you know, I, I, there you, you go. Hard done, you, you, you feel, feel hard, hard done. done. I, I totally get that. I absolutely get that. Um, yeah, it's it's not ideal by any means because you know, league cups. You're meant to be there. Get out there and put on whatever team you can put on, and just go play. Like that's what the scenario should be. Uh, rather than postponing games, which just adds to the backlog. I think we're up to almost 20 Premier League games, for instance, which have been postponed. Um, they've got a fair few League Cup games which have been postponed. If you think about what the vaccination level is in the Premier League, I think they're now up to 70% of the Premier League uh, players are now vaccinated. Um, in the leagues below that, in the championship, I think they're at 60% now or 65%. And that's only of players with their first dose. Players who have yep. been second dose are closer to 45%. Once you get lower down the table, um, it, it goes basically team by team in terms of what their vaccination rate is. But the thing is, 
it, it's such a weird environment. We, we even saw during the week, um, Jurgen Klopp came out and basically just said, any player that is even interested in signing at the upcoming transfer window, one of the first questions he's going to ask them is, are you vaccinated? And if the question, if the answer is no, he's basically ending the meeting there and then. Wow. Okay. I think a lot of workplaces are going to do that this year. I don't think it'll just be sport. How's this scenario? Way? Like with, with, with the uh, postponements and whatnot, like say if inevitably as we know, it's probably going to go, team like say Newcastle goes down who didn't get much trouble with the green when it comes to COVID cancellations or postponements. When we had it, no one seemed to care. We just kept going, you know, and then the postponements come around us. Um, if we play a game against the team later on and we get beaten by, you know, it's a postponement, or we go down because of guys that they bought after the transfer window in a game where they wouldn't have had that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I can be with you is that I – I think they should have shut the whole competition down for the previous three weeks when there was just a couple of you know, a couple of games played. And all those games were massive for my club. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think most people will agree it should have been shut down for a couple of weeks. I um on a couple of pages I'm on um, a couple of forums, I was uh pretty much shot down for that same comment. Um, what are we gonna do? What games are we gonna go to? That's what people were saying from the UK to me. You know, mates and that were going, well, what am I going to do Boxing Day if I can't go to the football? I might start okay. having a <laughs> I didn't say that, but it's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, I'm going to throw one at you guys that we kind of touched on. We don't know anything about this yet, but I did put out to you guys very – gave you short notice about your best number sevens in sport. It could be in any sport you wanted. Um, did you have time to think about that at all? Oh, I've got a few. Yeah. Yeah, definitely okay. a couple on the list. Well, I'll, I'll kick one off for you. And one of my favourites, doesn't mean they were the best, one of my favourite number sevens ever in AFL was Nicky Winmar. Famous, obviously, for his stance on, on racial abuse, but just a sensational wingman uh, for St Kilda. So, for me, my, one of my favourite number sevens ever, Nicky Winmar for the AFL. I like it. That's cool. That's a good shout. I'll, I'll start things off with um, one of my favourite footballers, that is Louis Figo. Um, oh, yeah. What an absolute silky legend with the ball at his feet. Um, goal scoring, goal creator, just his set pieces. Wore, it, uh, wore the number seven at Barca, wore it with um, Portugal as well. Um, in, in football, you kind of look at the number seven as kind of like the, the holy grail of jerseys where you've got, you know, your Eric Cantona um, yeah. who, who picked it up. You had uh, Kevin Keegan who wore it at Liverpool as well. Um, Frank Ribery um, wore it uh, during his 23 titles that he won, um, nine uh, Bundesliga t- uh, triumphs. Like, absolutely legend. Uh, Raul. Uh, Spanish international with uh, Rio Madrid as um, as well as with Schalke, um, just absolute legend. You've got George Best uh, one. Had to have and, George and, Best, yeah. And then the obvious, which is CR7, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Guys, did we miss out one there? Um, one of the best beards that's ever played sport. Did Georgie Best ever wear seven? Yeah, yeah. George Best wore uh, number seven. He um, yeah, he had that, absolutely. 
And um, Cant, did we put Cantnar in there at all? Did he wear seven? You know, he yes. wore a few different numbers. So we did have Cantnar because Cantnar, for me, is just iconic. Um, I'm not going to match up stats on anyone, but what about you there, John? Look, a couple of my think about number sevens. I was, you know, when I was a kid, I loved Steve Mortimer in number seven for the Bulldogs. Ah, yep, it was pretty awesome. Um, um, more modern day, geez, you think still think Alfie Lang as a kid. Um, <laughs> Alfie Langer. There's been a like the current number seven for the Brisbane Lions. I really like Mitch Robinson. He's a player. Well, he's obviously the kind of player that if he's playing for your team, you like, and if he's against oh, of you, uh, every team needs that a bit of mongrel. Yeah. Um, and um, obviously, Big Ben Roethlisberger, who's just retired. The most iconic number seven in the NFL is probably John Elway, a guy I've said in several occasions I can't stand. Um, all-time great quarterback, uh, led the led the um, the Broncos to I think like five Super Bowl appearances. Won his last two, might have been yep. six Super Bowl, and um, one of those was against a red hot Packers team. So, and then Big Ben, who's just retired um, from yeah, I big, the game. I had El, I had Elway and Big Ben there, and um, I think yeah, there you go. Uh, cricket, I had Donny down. Yeah, you don't have you don't have to love him, but I mean, just what a sensational cricketer! And um, I, just, I, suppose, I just don't think of numbers in cricket, do you? No, nor do, nor do I. I. That one, I, was, I deliberately went looking for a cricketer um, because for some reason in my head, I always have Adam Gilchrist as a seven, um, and so he's—I don't know if he is. If you'd call him a seven, did he bat seven? Did he bat eight? Um, did he bat six? But I, I kind of thought of the where they lined up in the in the lineup as well. Um, Donny was the number, but I, I thought Adam Gilchrist was a seven at times. And if he was, he, he's got to be my favourite by a long way. I'll give you another guy who wore number seven, Pete, here from uh, your club, one of the greatest players, I think most gifted and talented football players that England's ever produced and played at your club. Wore number seven for a while. Famously played in um, in North America for Vancouver after Newcastle decided we couldn't find room for him. Yep. Um, idiots. Um, the great Peter Beardsley wore seven at um, Liverpool for a while too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and another one that I left off my list was David Beckham. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my he, God. He, had, he wore number seven. And um, a really weird one, um, Bastian Schweidensteiger. He, he only ever wore the number seven for the German national team. He never wore it That's for Bayern Munich. He never wore it at United. Didn't wear it at, uh, at Chicago. Um, uh, over in the MLS, um, where I think it was uh, New York Red Bulls that he was at from memory. Um, but yeah, wore it for the national team and an absolute beast in central midfield. That's a great call. My dad probably would have put down Dougie Hawkins from the Western Bulldog. Oh, he was foot scray back then. Uh, he was a number seven I loved watching as well. The doggies have had a heap of numbers, good number seven. So, um, little interesting one that we'll put, put up a few more numbers throughout the year. When, We'll probably think sideways and we'll end up coming up with a Melbourne Cup horse at War 7 or something. Um, but we'll put up a few more. Guys, I'm going to put you under the pump again, as I always do. Who's going to win the AFL in 2022? Oh. Well, I'm going to say the Brisbane Lions. Well, do you hear the Tigers, mate? We're coming back, so I'm going to go Richmond. It's a really unbiased little section then, isn't it? 
And, and Pete, <laughs> Pete, who are you going to who are you going to tip? Are you, I, I've got a feeling you're tipping the demons back to back. Oh man, you've uh, given me no notice to think about this one at all. Hey, um, yeah, that's what I do. The, the demons potentially. Nah, like I, I'll tip Richmond, and I just hope that they can do something magical out of nowhere. <laughs> Okay, uh, NRL, I have no idea who's going to win. So I'm going to say it's going to be the biggest comeback since Lazarus and the Brisbane Broncos will win the title um, just to spite the incoming Redcliffe Dolphins for the season after and take all, any of the members who may have jumped off. <laughs> Fun fact with the Broncos, I think their entire team are in isolation at the moment after pretty much all testing positive for COVID. <laughs> it's one of those weird things where it's like, they all want to get COVID before a season starts, so then that way they can all say that they've got it and that they they'll be you know immune for the next six months or whatever it is. So they're just like, hey, let's just have a COVID party and let's all get COVID right now. Um, good on them. Um, look, I, I I think that Panthers will probably have another good season. I think yep. that um, they're they're going to be one of those kind of I don't want to say dark horse because we know what they 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 can do. But they're also quite heavily hit with, you know, um, a number of the coaches, players who all have um, are all in isolation at the moment. Likewise with the Tigers and the Eels. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to end up tipping um, the Panthers here to, to go back to back. Dark Horse has to be the doggies, doesn't it? With this one of the greatest off seasons of signings you've ever seen. No, come on. They're gonna they're gonna be right up there from bottom to top. <laughs> so we need your we need your answer there, John. Uh, I am going to probably this is gonna sound a bit ridiculous, but after they didn't make the semifinals last year or they blew their chances to go further, I actually think there's a lot to like about the Gold Coast Titans. I'm not picking them to win the comp, but I think they are gonna be a team that's going to go a lot further than a lot of people will anticipate. And there's Darwin Milan is currently bowling some very mild leg spin for England. This has been a terrible, <laughs> terrible tour. <laughs> oh, mate, look, I, I feel, I feel, look, if you want to go back to the cricket for one moment, it really, it really does come down. It does come down a little bit to captaincy as well, because the commentators were right. Joe Root is a really good cricketer and he's letting the bowlers tell him what to do. And he should be telling Leach, no, you don't keep pushing my field back. This is how we're going to take wickets. If you go for runs, you go for runs. But you're here. He's just not slowing anyone down. He's still conceding runs. So I just think Joe Root need to be more assertive. I'm not sure your thoughts on that, John. There's a word we use for it at cricket, the sort of bowling that England's producing with their slow spinners. And yep. um, it starts with S and ends with T. So, so basically, uh, a photocopy of me, mate. Have you ever, um, ever had to face my loopers? They are the worst leg spin looping balls ever. I'd go, I'd go for a hundred off six overs, I reckon. Mm, I'm not so sure of what I've seen from England. <laughs> that topic makes me feel horrible. Oh no! And yeah, keep going. Just get another topic. Rightio. So uh, AFLW, um, who's going to win that one? Uh, the Brisbane Lions. Brisbane Lions. Yeah, I think it... Look, I've never seen a team so quickly get so acclimatised and so fit to to a game. Um, they look 
I know it sounds silly, but they look really muscly. They look fit. They look strong. I'd be really surprised if Brisbane didn't win again. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. They're, they're, they're clear favourites, that's for sure. So, but they look like footballers. They, you, know yeah. I mean? like they, you look at the other teams, they've got all different kind of athletes and bodies and everything, but Brisbane Lions are just conditioned for football, and that's a massive credit to the club and the, and the program there as well because they look like a football team. And I'm not being yeah, condescending, do. but they do. They do. They they absolutely do. They um in every aspect. I think that they also look like they're the most prepared team off the field, just as much as they do on the field. Yeah, very um, good they, program. They they do look like they've got you know some of the best resources and some of the best facilities out of everyone. So they they do look um the best prepared. So yeah, you kind of have to tip Brisbane there. Well, there are their resources. Just so you know, Pete, um, the Brisbane Lions men and women are having a whole new. Um, ground built and, and facilities and everything like that. It's absolutely first rate. So um, that's out at Springwood, isn't it, John? Yeah. It, well, I, I mean, I went so. past it, but I, I just didn't know if it was Springwood. But it looks amazing. So they've, they've got the dimensions the same uh, as the Gabba. So obviously the... Well, they've got that chicken social club that's there in where the old IKEA building was at Springwood. So Yeah, they've got that there. And then across the other side is where the ground yeah. – or not across – it's not right there, but in that area. Um, it just looks amazing. So um, kudos to the club and well, and well done. To, we were told, as I've heard, they have to have that because they have to have somewhere to play when the gab is not available. Yeah. Well, that's why they build it as the same dimensions and, and yeah. just going past it. Um, it does – there's a massive park and ride facility being built there as well, just so you know. So um, people will be able to basically get out there. Obviously, you'll have to do a train and a bus, but uh, – or, or, you know, parking is going to be pretty big there as well. Um, not a lot of parking in that area, so they needed something. But anyway, um, we've picked that. So NFL, guys, has been kind of a bit disappointing that some of the teams that needed to win – um, in the second last week loss because it's kind of taken a bit of the uh, oomph out of the last last uh, round of games. But Packers have to be right there, mate. Packers, Packers and the Cowboys have to be right there. I saw enough from the Packers in the last couple of weeks to think that if their defence rounds back into shape and but they're very good at um, forcing takeovers and, and takeaways and turnovers, you'd want to get a little bit of luck. Um, with a couple of pick six interceptions and some good harassment of the, of the quarterback, but obviously the offense can can score. And every game, I just want to get to the Super Bowl, mate. Like it's been yeah. so many chances, and and I really would love to see us get there. Dallas will be a hard out. I wouldn't write off Tampa Bay, even though they just, you know, they they signed their own they signed their own papers by. Having Antonio Brown hanging around, waiting for him to, to discombobulate himself and the whole club. Um, and yeah, I, look, I think other teams that will be hard. I think I actually think it's going to be really hard to beat Philadelphia, given the way they're structured because they're different to everyone else. Yep. In the NFC, so I think it's going to be really interesting. As far as next week goes, I'm just going to put my feet up, grab a cigar, put the little smoking jacket on, and I've got no problems because we can't finish top. We, we can only finish top, and then we wait for the real games to begin. I'll and, be and, the Bills. 
Well, the the funny thing is, um, I think we've got a I think we've got a real star quarterback. I know we say it all the time, the word franchise quarterback, but Joe Burrow, how good is that guy going? I mean, he's had an ACL. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, mate. No, he's awesome. That's all I said. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. He's he's copped an ACL. He he had um, pre-seasons cut over the past couple of years, and he just looks like the next. I'm not saying the greatest quarterback ever. I'm just saying he looks like the next big name, um, which is really good to see because the last couple of years of quarterbacks coming through hasn't been fantastic. Well, I I actually disagree with you because I think the last few years of quarterbacks coming through have been brilliant. Like, um, especially over in the AFC, and I'm not giving up on. On Big Josh from Buffalo, yet I think he's still got, well, still got. He's very young. I actually think that there's a big wide window for the Bills to go to the Super Bowl again. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I've, yeah, good call. And and I think, but yeah, Burrow. It, it's the first year in. It's I think it's a long way to get to a Super Bowl. Burrow's played lights out, but I've watched Jamar Chase all year, and he's been incredibly hot or incredibly cold. And you know the Bengals haven't won a playoff game for nearly... They're in the same position that the Bills were this time last year. And the Browns, they haven't won a playoff game for like 20, 30 years. They need to get that one away. And then I think they'll come good in years later. But I did thoroughly enjoy watching them last week and I watched their game in full. I I ditched Game Pass this year and just gone to watching full games by themselves because I got distracted always, you know, flipping between touchdowns and stuff. And I thoroughly enjoyed that Bengals game at the weekend. It was just brilliant. The ending, we were we had constant messages with each other. I couldn't believe it. I was almost melting down in the lounge room. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. And uh, look, uh, I don't know who's going to win it. I mean, it, it's Patrick Mahomes could still get hot as well. So there's so many, so many teams that have got a chance. But uh, look, it's hard to go past Tom because they're just. They've been going average this year, and they still put themselves in a position to uh, to win it all. So uh, I'm going to have to say Tampa because he is the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Well, that's a God's sake, let's hope not. <laughs> I know, but I mean, if you know, I, I don't. If I had to, you know, base something on it, I, I'm going to go with Tom because anyone else seems that they could win, but he just knows how to win. That's like sort of like you know what I'm praying for a Barca Real one two in Spain. Yeah. I do, I do that, hear man? what you're saying. I do. <laughs> it never happened. Hmm. I think uh, you might be happy, mate. I think Uzi's gone out. No? Has he gone out? No. They've gone he's off gone down the race. Well, they're oh, going no, to tell you no, Has he got his century yet? You there? This is, this, is dynamic, uh, this is dynamic podcasting right now. He just flicked it off his legs and he's picked up a three and they're showing his wife and kid there. Everyone's happy. Uh, so, you're guilty. One, uh, of the, one, of the, one of the nicest guys I've ever got to work with and um, gives a lot to his community. So I'm so, so, yes, he's got his hundred. So I'm so, so happy for him. because really- A very, gen- very generous England team putting him down off Jack Leach on 21. I, I, I know. And it had to be Leach who didn't get a wicket. <laughs> I mean, like the poor bugger. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we had a... We had an incident in our house of, of somebody being conf- – we all were being locked down for COVID, but we didn't actually get it. So we had this non-COVID super-spreading events where none of us didn't transmit it to each other. And it's a bit like that for Jack Leach. So he has got himself another non-wicket um, that's led to somebody getting a ton. So good on you, Jack. 
<laughs> Pete, what's coming up in your world of sport, mate? What What are you excited about? Because right now uh, we're all a little bit flat. Uh, look, I'm incredibly interested and looking forward to the African Cup of Nations. I think that uh, AFCON is shaping up to be something really special this year. Um, so very much looking forward to seeing how that's going to play out and which teams are really going to be your uh, – who's really going to take it because it's it's a really interesting competition, I think, setting up right now. We've obviously got uh, a whole lot of just great things coming up this year with the fact that we've got a World Cup year. Um, yep. We've got the, the bonkers news coming out saying that FIFA are pushing UEFA to have um, the Euros every two years rather than every four years. Um, I, I enjoy the chaotic mess that is that. Um, and, and to be blunt, I'm, I'm actually just really looking forward to a whole lot of sport of us just getting our feet on the grass or our feet on some, uh, some futsal courts and just being able to go do events because – there is meant to be a uh, – well, right now, I was actually meant to be up near you guys um, for the Futsal National Championships, but that got postponed to April. Incredibly unlikely that I'm going to be coaching um, in April for Futsal because that's peak football time. So um, instead, there's a likelihood that I will be uh, hopefully heading down to Melbourne in a month's time for a Futsal tournament um, down there. So keep my fingers crossed that – the doors are open and we can get in. Yep. Yeah, good call. What about yourself? Well, I wanted to, um, and I do hope that that works out for you, Pete. I, I wanted to say that one of my sports highlights of the last couple of months was the Gold Coast Knights in the in the FFA Cup and yes. their performances against Melbourne Victory and the crowds and the lead-up, and it was on the Gold Coast News every night, and it was really exciting, and, and it was a really good game, and tell you what, they were unlucky not to squeeze it out to penalties and walk away with it. Now, wouldn't that have been something special? I love that FFA Cup. It's really cool comp. It is a really cool comp, and it's, it's building each year, and I can see in decades to come that it is in some ways more exciting for the mainstream populace than the, the A-League um, or whatever we're going to call it down the track because it means it's what made the FA Cup in England so great is that everyone gets it. There's yeah, so the many, so many people involved in good clubs, and they deserve that chance. Yeah, sorry, I'll back up there. No, it's it, it's the fairy tale. That's the magic of it. That that's that's the um, the unknown quantity. The the concept of the little guy taking on the big guy, the David uh, David versus Goliath type battle. And you could even see it last night in the uh, the Wellington Phoenix Melbourne City game that. Uh, you know, the absolute hero of that night was Alex Paulson, who ended up saving three penalties um, in the penalty shootout uh, to be able to claim a 4-3 win after seven penalties um, after the game was nil-nil at full time and at the end of extra time as well. So uh, just a sensational performance from a young guy who has basically got thrown in the deep end. It was um, Sales, who ended up going off injured against Sydney FC just a week ago, I believe. Um, and Alex Paulson basically got thrown in the deep end. And I tell you, this guy, he's going to be tough to try and take the gloves off now because he looks like a pretty confident number one goalkeeper uh, for such a young guy. Yeah, well, you come with the hour or come with the man and you, you never know when the, you're going to become a superstar, do you? If you Opportunity 
only presents itself in certain ways. And I think it's great to have more opportunity for um, football players around Australia to actually make an impact at their own home rather than having to travel for everything. So there you go. Paul, Paul, are you still there? Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. You were joined by Paul, Pete and John. And you can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can get us on the Love Sport Facebook group as well if you want to join. Uh, join the conversation. Anything you say can and will be used against you in any court or all or sport or all. And you can get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. John at Lambic Peach. And Pete at Pete Novikowski. This is, was and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.